0: Welcome to Faith Foundations with Open the Word podcast. I'm your host, Gwen McCaslin, for this discipleship series, and we are drawing to a close of New Testament survey. We are on the book of Jude today, which is actually an incredibly interesting little book, um, and I'm excited to share that one with you today. We are going to start with our who, what, when, where, uh, and why, and our so on and so forth for the book of Jude. This is another one that is one chapter long, so it's short and sweet. Uh, so I'm not sure I'm not sure how we're going to do today, <laughs> whether we'll fill a full 20, 30 minutes or not, but we're going to go ahead and go and start and see where we end up. Okay, so the, the who of this book is Jude, um, and we know that he is a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Um, And the interesting thing here is that he's actually the half-brother of Jesus, but at this point in his life and ministry, he does not call himself that, because he no longer sees Jesus as his earthly brother. He sees him as his Lord and Master, Um, and so there's been a transition in the life of Jude. Uh, that we'll talk to a little bit here in a minute, but this is a letter to all Christians. Um, we don't know where this was written from, uh, but we know that this was written somewhere between sixty and eighty um, AD, somewhere. Um, and so we don't. We have a general, uh, general time frame for this, but not a specific one. Uh, and then the why of this book is to warn against heresy. Um, and so you can kind of see that basically from from the very early on in the body of Christ, uh, but specifically from about, 50, 60, all the way to the 80s, the church was being attacked like crazy with all of these false beliefs and heresies. And so the body of Christ was really having to contend for the gospel and really guard the purity of truth because you had the Judaizers coming in trying to add in circumcision and the law and all of those old rules. Um, You had just a profound amount of things. You had Greek philosophy trying to add its influence. You had, um, and so you You just had a lot of uh, the dynamics and the thought of the day trying to infiltrate the purity of the gospel. Um, The why I've already told you is to warn of heresy. Okay, so we are on to key verse. Uh, The key verse is actually um, Jude 24, and it says to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy um and so it that's kind of a partial sentence isn't it uh we can tell it's not a complete sentence but we'll add that into its context here in a minute uh okay so just to kind of reiterate some background jude was the brother of james and a half-brother of Jesus um, during his physical life on earth. We know that from Mark 6, 3, and from Galatians 1, 19. Um, he actually here in Jude refers to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. The interesting thing here is I was looking in one of my resources, and it uh, this is... Um, from harvest house publishers this is the new inductive bible study and it's the introduction to the book of jude and i'm just going to read it because i like its perspective here a little bit jude had to speak up he wasn't an apostle he wasn't a pillar in the church like his brother james although he was the half-brother of the lord jesus christ jude did not claim any relationship to jesus christ other than that of being his bond servant initially Jude didn't believe in Jesus. We know that from John 7, 5. But finally he understood who Jesus was, the Son of God. Jude had grown up in the presence of the one who came to save his people from their sins, uh, which is a quote out of Matthew 1, 21. No wonder Jude had to write what he did. Um, And so if you kind of keep that in mind for perspective as we read down through. Um, But the interesting thing I want you to understand is the purpose of this book is Judas writing to encourage believers to contend for the faith against the influences of false doctrine and immoral teachers, and particularly the teachers of Gnosticism in its earliest form. Key passage in this is verses 3 to 4. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. For certain men whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ, our only sovereign and Lord. Um, and so I think I like these two key verses actually a little bit better than the one kind of pointed out in the other resource I use, which is um, the other resource that I kind of go off of is the Rose Book of Bible Charts and Maps and Timelines. Um, and so I actually think I like verses three and four as key verses a little bit better um, because I think it summarizes the purpose of this book of 1st Jude. Or, sorry, Jude, there is no first or second. <laughs> Just Jude. Anyway, um, although I think he'd get a kick out of that. Just Jude. Anyway, the similarity, um, there are some similarities between Jude and Second Peter chapter 2. Uh, the commonly held view suggests that Peter might have borrowed from Jude's letter, uh, which would date the letter at about 65 AD. Um, but like we said earlier, the date of this letter is a little bit obscure. Uh, and so we don't really know exactly where, but we know it's between 60 and 80 ad somewhere all right general outline is verses one through four is the motivation of the letter uh verses five through seven is a description uh and warning against false teachers um There's some historical examples given. Verses 17 through 23 is encouragement to believers. And then 24 is a closing doxology. And so that kind of gives you a little bit of a layout of this, a little bit more in depth than maybe others. So let's go ahead and dive in because it is only one chapter. We are going to attempt to read our way through. Um, now, one of the other things that's slightly problematic in this book is that it it does contain some quotes from the apocrypha, um, some details that are in the apocryphal books. And so, what I want you to understand is that at this time, the books of some of the apocrypha um, had been passed down with Old Testament scriptures, but by um, but had been pushed to this side as extra or like not as sacred as the old testament canon um and so the canon that you and i have was nailed down at 100 bc and the apocrypha was not part of those books um those 66 books and so the old testament that you and i read in most of our bibles does not contain the apocryphal books um and so He's actually, uh, Jude is quoting out of some of the apocryphal writings, which would have been intertestamental period writings, 1st and 2nd Maccabees, some of those. Um, Keep in mind that those books would have existed in his day and age. They would have been viewed as... Um, somewhat scripture, but not to the level of, they were more historical. um, And so they were more history is what they would have been considered. Um, But the Jewish um, rabbinical tradition already had pushed those out of the canon. And so the Old Testament that Jesus and these guys would have had did not actually contain the Apocrypha in it. So I do want you to note that. Um, Alright, so let's go ahead and we're going to pick up, um, we read verse 1, so let's go ahead and, we're. you know what, we're going to start from the very beginning. Jude, a bondservant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God and the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. You know what? I can't even get past those verses without pulling out just some significance to that. We are called, beloved, and kept. I don't know if you guys feel that or not, but it, I think that would be something that would be amazing to get up every morning, look into the mirror, and say, I have been called, I am a beloved uh, in God the Father, and I have been kept for Jesus Christ. Um, may peace May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, while I was making every effort to write to you about our common salvation, I felt necessary to write appealing that you contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all handed down to the saints. For certain persons have crept in unnoticed. Those who were long beforehand marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly persons who turned the grace of our God into licentiousness and deny our only master and lord jesus christ now i desire to remind you though you know all things once for all that the lord after saving a people out of the land of egypt subsequently destroyed those who did not believe. Um, and here he's talking about Korah and the others. And um, there was a big earthquake and swallowed up like 3,000 people. Anyway, Old Testament passage. Um, and so he's he's going back in history. He's reminding them of the events that have happened before um, because God changes not. And so he's laying down his case for how God has interacted um, with uh, with people and places and things over the years, especially ones that are in this same uh, kind, I guess is how we'll put it. Uh, verse 6, And angels uh, who did not keep their own domain but abandoned their proper abode, he is kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Um, just as Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around them, since they in the same way, as these indulged in gross immorality and went after strange flesh and are uh, exhibited as an example in un- sorry, undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. Yet in the same way, these men also by dreaming defiled the flesh and rejected authority and reviled angelic majesties. But Michael, the archangel, when disputed with the devil, arguing against, uh, argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment and said, The Lord rebuke you. Um, Now, I want you to understand that some of these stories are actual quotes from uh, the Apocrypha that the early church would have been very familiar with. Um, Okay, we don't include them in Old Testament canon because of that rabbinic tradition. And so you you might be hearing some things in this that make you scratch your head because you've never heard them before. Um, And that would be specifically this quote here and then down in verse 14. Um, So let's go ahead and we'll keep going. But these men reviled the things they do not understand and the things which uh, they know by instinct, unlike unreasoning animals, by these things they are destroyed. Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain. And for pay, they have rushed headlong into the error of Balaam and perished in the rebellion of Korah. Um, And so right there, you get three Old Testament anchored stories. You've got Balaam and his donkey. And remember, the donkey talks to him and tells him to stop because he's going he's going into disobedience. Um, and so uh, you've got Balaam and the talking donkey. you've got Cain and Abel where Cain kills his brother. Um, and then you have Korah in that rebellion right after the Egyptian. Uh, they're rescued from Egypt. Um, and so, right there, are three huge stories that are being used as examples. Um, and remember, this is in that section that is in um, that's all that historical examples of those who fell away from from following after God. Uh, verse twelve says, "These are the men who are hidden reefs in your love feasts." Um, oh, I mean, just those love feasts are the moments when they're doing. Um, kind of the, the Last Supper, um, taking communion, and just really uh, treasuring that intimacy of uh, being one in Christ, but also waiting for the coming of Christ as the bridegroom. Um, and so that's kind of the imagery that's kind of happening here. But they are hidden reefs in your love feasts. When they feast with you without fear, carrying for themselves clouds without water, carried along by the winds, autumn trees without fruit, doubly dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea, casting up their own shame like foam, wandering stars for whom the blackest, the the black darkness has been reserved for forever. Whew, what a list. Um, and I have to say, Jude is rather poetic, isn't he? Um, And that's just translated into English. I mean, put it into the Greek. And, I mean, even the imagery just reads like a poem, doesn't it? Um, You have clouds. You have fruit trees uprooted. You've got, I mean, just all of these waves and wandering stars and all of that imagery combined. Um, All right, let's pick up in 14. It was also about these men that Enoch in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all, to convict all of the ungodly of all of their ungodly deeds, which they have done in ungodly ways, um, in an ungodly way, and all of the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him, these are grumblers, finding fault, following after their own lusts. they speak arrogantly, faltering people, sorry, flattering people for their own sake of gain and advantage um okay, this you probably are sitting here going, Enoch said, what?" <laughs> Because we don't actually, in the Old Testament canon, have the actual quotes from Enoch. Um, What we have about him is he's in the line of genealogy, and he walked with God, and then he was not. Um, But this is actually another one of those quotes from the Apocrypha. Um, And so, uh, like I said, these would have been um, parts of Scripture that they would have been completely familiar with. Um, And honestly, this is one of the arguments for why people have put them back, I think, in uh, the Catholic canon and maybe some of the other things. But um, all right, so moving on, we have this quote from Enoch, and then verse 17, But you, beloved, ought to remember the words that were spoken beforehand by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that they were saying to you in the last time there will be mockers following after their own ungodly lusts. These are the ones who cause division, worldly-minded, devoid of the Spirit. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. And have mercy on some who are doubting, save others, snatch them out of the fire, and have some mercy with fear, hating even the garment polluted by the flesh. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to make you to stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory and majesty, dominion and authority, Before all time, now and forever. Amen. This is truly just beautiful. This, like, this end part. Um, He's inspiring believers. Uh, You can just feel it, can't you? Encouraging them to build themselves up uh, on their most holy faith, to be praying in the Holy Spirit, to keep themselves in the love of God, to be waiting anxiously for the mercy of the Lord Jesus for eternal life, um, to have mercy on those who are doubting. Uh, to save others, snatching them out of the fire. We don't think about it, but, I mean, essentially, when we share Jesus Christ, we are snatching them out of eternal fire when they choose to put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. Um, and you've got to love the zeal and the passion um, in Jude. It's what sets this book apart, truly. Um, you know, this is a good book to kind of sit in and just... Some of the things that he's admonishing the early church to really just watch for those who are coming in with an intent to deceive, um, I think that is honestly a very deep message that the church today needs to hear is we need to be watching for anyone um, and the interesting thing here is what do they go after? We know by second and third John, which we just got done covering, that they go over the identity of Um, They go after the truth of Jesus Christ. Um, And so one of the main areas that you're going to see deception um, happen is you're going to see it around the identity and the nature of Jesus Christ, his death, his burial, his resurrection. Why? Because that's the heart of the gospel. And like I've said all the way through, if you get Jesus wrong, you get eternity wrong because Jesus, who he is and what he does on that cross, is actually the entire It's the entire point to the Old and New Testament. The Old Testament points towards the cross. The New Testament looks back at what was done on the cross. Um, And so it's not about works. Ephesians 2 tells us that it's not about works. It is about what Jesus Christ has done. Uh, We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's Ephesians 2 verse 1. Um, Dead men do not save themselves. They can't. Um, Our sin, there is nothing that we can physically do to make our sin pleasant enough that God would undo it or overlook it or ignore it. I mean, there's not enough good that we can do. We're told in another area of scripture that even our righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. Um, And so understanding that if we're trying to do this on our own, it's like a dead man trying to go somewhere or do something um, to take a bath. It's never going to work. And so understanding that we need Jesus Christ and that it's all about him and then how we live our life in obedience after is because of what he's done for us, because of the fact that he's made us alive together with him. It's because of the fact that Um, He is our perfect high priest who's made sacrifice for our sin that we have access with boldness to the throne of grace. Um, And so I want you to understand that literally because of Christ, if you are in Christ, that you positionally stand before him completely righteous. This is something that I don't know that I fully grasp. But to understand that no matter what I did yesterday, I am fully righteous and that doesn't give me a license to go, okay, I don't need to worry about anything because I'm positionally righteous. That is not what we do with that. What we do with that is we look at it and we consider it something holy that should inspire us to obey and love back the one who loved us first. Anyway, I hope you guys have enjoyed this little awkward book of Jude. Um, It definitely is quite interesting, isn't it? But I'm going to leave off here, and, okay, I need you to literally hang on to your seats because next podcast we start Revelation, and I can't even promise you at this point exactly how many podcasts I'm going to need to cover this. But what I will tell you is I have just finished two full years um, doing a precept study on Revelation. And so um, what I'm hoping to do is to lay that out in such a way that it takes some of the mystery out of the book of revelation for you Um, and so in any case i will that's all i got for today and see you next time thanks for listening today be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes We'd love to hear from you, so find us on Facebook and Instagram at Open the Word Podcast or send us an email to open the word at gmail.com